takes people displays His power in them. And everybody is ordinary. You look in Hebrews 11, they're just people. They're people like us. And I'm astonished how a supernatural God can come into men and do great exploits God does through these ordinary people. Um, There is not one in this great chapter of Hebrews 11 who is really an extraordinary person. Really, they are weak because God uses the weak to confound the wise. And even though we can think of the great Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're really not that great because we know they're people and we know they're sinners. They were sinners. Um, They're not anymore, but of course God used men like David... Uh, he put out uh, the flight of armies and he killed giants. And of course you can think of Daniel and his marvelous faith in the lion's den. You know, these are, are men that we think of that we lift up high, but the, honestly, it's God who's always lifted up high. So that would be one thing is that I'm astonished at how a supernatural God can take natural man who's not that astonishing and work through them. The second thing is that great acts of faith are not really anything supernatural when they did some things that were really quite ordinary. They did some things that were really average. It was day-to-day things wasn't always some kind of a supernatural thing that they did, that God did through ordinary people, but also He takes these ordinary people and doesn't do a supernatural thing in them in that an ordinary thing is done. Like, for instance, um, when we talk about in our chapter today and our section that we're dealing with, we're talking about mainly funeral arrangements something that is done all the time. Everybody will die and everybody is going to have a place of burial or some sense of that. So uh, we see great faith here in something that is so mundane, so ordinary. So today, we're going to take these three men, Abraham, Isaac, not Abraham, I'm sorry, we did him, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And these are patriarchs. The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. I think even the, the, the twelve sons even uh, of Jacob. And, you know, they're not noted for any kind of a miracle. You know, sometimes you show, they, you know, they show faith by some kind of miracle. And we looked at Abraham last week. And you remember the miracle that was done there, that God worked in Abraham and Isaac past their childbearing years, way past it. And then God caused a supernatural birth to happen. Of course, to Abraham and uh, is born who? And uh, Abraham and Sarah have Isaac, who we are going to get in here. That was a supernatural thing that happened, but yet... <coughs> And we see faith that's involved. We see miraculous things here in the Scripture. And we see moving of mountains. We see the, the, the water as far as the oceans were uh, divided. Uh, for instance, the maybe giants who had fallen. But we don't see any of that in this section today. We don't see such amazing miracles. We, we see the God of the ordinary, the, the God of the mundane, the God of the average day, the God of sometimes when things are just kind of boring. But Abraham did it all the way through. He lived by faith. Yeah, there was a supernatural birth there. It was attributed to him, Abraham and Sarah, the, the faith that they had, but God is the one who worked that. But almost on all other occasions, day to day, it's just like us. And that's what they did. They lived from day to day. That's living by faith out in the desert, living in tents for all those years. And we live by faith like Abraham lived by faith, like Sarah lived by faith, continually, every day, don't we? We live by faith. And that's really what we featured on last week. Living by faith. 
God's promise continues. His promise is there. We live by faith because of that promise, right? If that promise is no good, then we don't live by faith. The promise is good, isn't it? We haven't seen the fulfillment of it. But there's another side of faith that's a bit surprising. Living by faith, you think, okay, that's what Hebrews 11 is about. Well, on the flip side is dying by faith. Have you ever thought of that? Dying by faith. That's our title today. We hear of living by faith, but what is this? Dying by faith. What does that mean? I think it sounds kind of kind of morbid, right? Well, not really. Uh, we have three short verses here today. And in these three short verses, we're going to have to live by faith here because we have to go back into Genesis and do the majority of the book of Genesis in one hour supporting these three verses. That's going to be a trick, isn't it? Do you guys have faith? <laughs> have faith here. we got to get through this, right? We're going to see the patriarchs, the, the sons, the grandsons of Abraham. So, they all finished. They finished well. All is well, right? It is well. All is well. They could have sang those songs, couldn't they have? Probably did in their own words. That's why all those songs that we do, did you notice every song there? I saw the energy in each person here today that God it was working through them. Everybody was excited. Did you... Was it because of the words? Yeah, I believe so. The words of the singing, it meant a lot. Those were our promises. And then it was praises to God. Man, when you're singing to God, it's one of the big... We could have... Actually, I think we could have stopped right there with all the theology that we got and we could have been had, had our fill right there. That was a powerful worship. I think it was one of the most powerful worships we've ever had. It was incredible. And I saw the responses and the reactions. And then to finish with it as well, all as well. Folks, what an amazing thing it is to give praise and honor to this awesome God. We live by faith and we die by faith. Open up your Bibles. Let's stand. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And we turn to verse 20 after we have finished the story of Abraham and Sarah. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Father, as we sang, You are awesome. You are way beyond any words that we can put into human language. But for now, we do the best that we can in worshiping You and what a privilege it is to honor You, to exalt You. It's all about You. It certainly isn't about me. It certainly isn't about anybody here. And it's certainly really not about anybody that's in Hebrews 11, even though they are named there and You use them greatly. It's really all pointing to Jesus Christ because that's what this faith is all about. Help us to learn further how You operate in our lives by this thing called faith. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Nothing out of the way of ordinary and yet God says this is faith. Isaac and Jacob and Joseph in this great chapter. Let's take each of these three men. Let's go through rather quickly why God records these particular instances 
of these lives, let's get that and then let's take it and put it into our hearts here. And I hope this becomes very applicable in our own lives as our every days come up the rest of this day and then tomorrow. Who knows what will come? And there are a lot of us that just need to be encouraged today. And man, I'll tell you right from the very outset today, we had nothing but encouragement already. Very much encouragement. We have routine lives, but man, I'll tell you what, there are times it doesn't seem like very routine at all, and it's a time of our life, maybe the very test of our lives. And yet, you know what? We see this, and we see a great sovereign God. And He's doing His thing, isn't He? So in verse 20, it says, By faith, right? Those are those two words that always introduce these individuals that we're going to look at. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, he blessed them. Doesn't sound like a big work there, you know? Doesn't sound like a major thing, and, and there he's listed. Well, it's just, just because he's Isaac, right? Now, Isaac, he's an individual who possessed faith. Don't doubt about it. Because it says right here, and of course, you look in Genesis, you'll see that most of the time. He was a believing man. What kind of faith did he have? I think we could say humanly that he had a passive faith. Um, we know that the Lord spoke to him. He confirmed the very promise that his father Abraham had, right? Abraham kept having that, uh, that promise. that um, It's a covenant promise. It's about the land, looking up into the, the sky and seeing the stars and, and the sand of the seashore, you know, this whole inheritance. But it's pointing to the Messiah. Christ. So, you know, we want to be Christ-centered here. Sometimes we may not mention the word Christ as we go through here, but that's what this is all about. It's really faith in Christ, but that's really what I want to put out on the very outset, because this is really pointing to the ultimate promise, Christ. That's why we can take this and be solid with it, and we can look back at it in past time and say, yeah, this happened historically. Jesus already did His work on the cross. So, the promise is confirmed to Isaac that had been told to Abraham. And we know that Abraham had taken his son to Mount Moriah. Who was his son? Isaac. That's this guy here we're looking at. Uh, Isaac is probably in his teens at this time. And he asks his dad, he says, okay, hey, where, where's the, you know, the animals that's going to be sacrificed? Of course, it's little does he know. He's supposed to be the one that's going to be put on the altar. And then when he's put on there, probably he's probably pretty stout. As let's say he's a teenager, somewhere around that realm. I think that he probably could have challenged his dad physically. So I'm getting off this. He didn't do that. So I think he had faith in what Abraham was going to do, which was the thing that God told him to do. So there was passivity there, but he's definitely showing something. Um, he, he had a wife that was chosen for him, if you remember. It really wasn't so much him choosing the wife, but he gets a, a great wife. Uh, he accepts her. We know at the end of his life, at least what seems to be at the end of his life, <laughs> he's a great study, this Isaac is. You, you don't see a lot about him, but you see enough that you go, he's a mild man. But he's kind of flesh controlled at the end of his life because he has, a, he has an appetite for meat. And he likes to have meat brought to him. He's one who can't see very good and really aging, but you know, he's getting ready to bless Esau. But yet he wanted the meal first. Hey, you bring me that and then I'll bless you. You catch that? He's not going to bless him first and then eat the meat. No, you bring the meat. I'll eat it and then I'll bless you. So, he uh, also went places, went from one place to another, mainly building wells. He'd get a well done. People there in the land would chase him off. He'd go to the next area and then start building another well. He'd be chased off there and he'd go on and build another well. We'll be reading about that in a moment. Get chased off there and he'd build another well. That's Isaac. Now, there's a, we have to go back to Genesis, chapter uh, 26. 
going to be working in there quite a bit. 26. So there's chapter 25. And of course, you have to think of 27. But uh, let's let's read uh, first four verses. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that occurred in the days of Abraham. You know about that story. And Abraham wound up going to Egypt. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And here's God appearing to Isaac. And He's speaking to Isaac now. He had done that with Abraham several times, hadn't He? The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Don't go down there. Stay in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I'll be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands. I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and will give your descendants all these lands and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me, kept my charges, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. Well, oh, well, intended. The the well man, Isaac, guess what? He is told what Abraham had been told. It just confirms it. You know what? Isaac believes it. God says, right off the bat, He says, uh, there's famine. Don't go to Egypt. Does Isaac go to Egypt? No, he doesn't. Where does he go? He goes to Gerar. Uh, Gerar is right at the borderline of Egypt. <laughs> he does cross the line. He goes as far as he can go, but that's it. He's okay. God kind of is is lenient here. Um, God has appeared to him, told him this, and uh, don't don't go beyond it. I'm going to establish my. Covenant that I had with Abraham with you. It's a it's a reiteration. Uh, he, God is going to fulfill His covenant, and that's key to this whole story. This is key to all the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter eleven. So, just believe this covenant promise. Abraham did it. Isaac's doing it. So, I would say he was obedient. <coughs> Uh, we go go back to our Genesis passage. It says in verse six, so Isaac lived in Gerar. God's saying, "Okay, it's all right, it's all right." When the men of the place ask about his wife, <laughs> he said, "She is my sister." For he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill me on account of Rebecca, for she is beautiful. Alright, well, he shows his weakness up pretty immediately here, doesn't he? He's a man of faith, right? My wife is now my sister. She's beautiful. Hmm, where did he get this action from? Who had done this before? Abraham two times. But God is so gracious. It's incredible how gracious God is. In verse 12, look at look at this. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped. It's one thing to sow, but to reap, right? In the same year, a hundredfold. Whatever he did, he was blessed abundantly, more than abundantly, more than super abundantly, folks. He just blew away the people, the king there, of how blessed he was. He was a living, walking witness of the great God who had blessed him. The Lord blessed him. And the man became rich, in verse 13, continued to grow richer. Look at this. Until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household, so that the Philistines envied him. He was blessed. 
he and that's metaphorically you know he, it's so many different areas that he was blessed a hundredfold God just pours out blessing Isaac is really comfortable there Isaac really takes comfort in this Abimelech says to him pack up your bags get your family get everybody out of here because you are too powerful this is too much the people don't want you they're they're scared of him because they've seen that his God has done this God didn't have to do this just because you're faithful doesn't mean you're going to be super abundantly rich does it but in this case we see that Here's why I said that. Look in verse 15. Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, those wells were already there. They, they were stopped up. The Philistines stopped them up by filling them with earth. Dirt. What kind of an idiot act is that? If you've got wells, why not use them, right? But, well, then Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. Isaac departed from there, camped in the valley of Gerar, and settled there. Goes to the valley of Gerar. He doesn't go very far, but he gets out from the immediate area. This is okay. You're too powerful. They they recognize this is the true true God. Why didn't they say, whatever God you have, we want? But they say, get away from us. If you don't, we're going to have to try to get you out of here. We we can't we can't take it with you here. Believers make unbelievers very uncomfortable, don't they? So he digs another well. They quarrel over that. Moves away from there. Digs another well. We can read it. Skipping a lot of verses, folks. Verse 18, Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the same names which his father had given them. 19, but when Isaac's servants dug in the valley, and now he's in the valley of Gerar, just a little bit away, and found there a well of flowing water. So the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac saying, the water is ours. They they found that Isaac and his servants there, the water, it's overflowing with these guys that live around it. They said, that's ours. That's ours. So he named the well Esek because they contended with him. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over it so he named it Sitna. He moved away from there. Isaac is not a fighting man. And he dug another well. And they didn't quarrel over it. So he's getting further away, right? So he named it Rehoboth, for he said, at last the Lord has made room for us. And we will be fruitful in the land. And then he went up from there. Later on he goes to Beersheba, which is a little bit further north. Not that much further. The Lord appeared to him the same night and said... This is kind of like the same area where he had been before after he had been down south near Egypt. I am the God of your father Abraham. Literally, that was his father. Do not fear, for I am with you. When we read, uh, Zach read Psalm 34 this morning. Do not, you know, we don't fear. We know that he's with us, right? I will bless you and multiply your descendants. Boy, he has been doing that, hasn't he? For the sake of my servant Abraham. That's where my promise started. The Abrahamic covenant. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. So he builds an altar. That's dealing with worship sacrifice. He called upon the name of Yahweh. He's a believer. Pitched his tent there. They dig the well. Isaac likes to settle down. Didn't like to move. God had a way of moving him. He chose what he wanted to do. But yet God chose also that I have a better place for you. Gets him back to where he wanted him. Does God do that? 
This is too real, isn't it? Took, a, took up his place in verse uh, 22, and then we see verse 25. There's peace there. There's faith there as far as Isaac is concerned. Got to go back to one previous incident back in chapter 25. Um, in 25, you have to find it for yourself, but apparently the women and the family of Abraham. I don't know what it was, but they all seem to have some kind of problem having children at first. Do you ever notice that? God has to show that He is God and that this is not just a natural thing happening. Anyway, in the case of Isaac, his wife had a problem and then she has twins. (laughs) Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will be separated from your body. So through Jacob would come the Jewish people... Through Esau would come the Edomites, the Arabs. It's fascinating, isn't it? One people, but another people. They're separated. The older is Esau of the twins. But God doesn't work the way that it always has worked in most instances, doesn't He? He does things that are different, mysterious ways. He takes the younger and has him to be working through versus the one who is a twin who was born before him, which is Esau. And in Romans 9, 9 through 13, we could turn there. This is the sovereign God chapter. This is one of the most sovereign God, maybe the most sovereign God chapter there is in all the Bible. And guess who? is illustrating this in 9.9 for this is the word of promise at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son who is that? Isaac and all of this but there was Rebekah also when she had conceived twins by one man our father Isaac for though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad so that God's purpose according to His choice would stand, not because of works, because of Him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. He favored Jacob. He's going to work through that. He is not going to work through Esau that line is going to even be continuing through a breakup of the twins. God chooses Jacob. And it wasn't because of how great of a guy Jacob was going to be. Jacob's name, just in itself, means deceiver. Deception. By the way, he does get renamed Israel, which means to persist or wrestle with God. (laughs) Can we identify with that name? So, Isaac prefers Esau. God has made it plain that I'm going to work through Jacob I love, Esau I hated. Esau is not in my plan. People can say, well, that's two nations. He, he loves Israel and the other nations that were the Arab nations he hates. No, these are individuals that are born from the womb. We cannot have that option to say that's nations. And that's where people get off and get away because they don't believe in election. And they'll say, well, he wasn't really talking about individuals because God would never hate anyone. By the way, there's a godly hate that we don't understand. We think of hate as, and we're never to hate people ourselves, are we? We're to love everybody, regardless of enemy or not. But there's a different, there's a perfect hatred that God has. He hates all unholiness. His hatred is, our hatred is not perfect. Matter of fact, our hatred is evil and wicked. He chooses Jacob, doesn't choose Esau. Isaac prefers Esau. Isn't that kind of a clicker right there? Something's not right here. Rebecca prefers Jacob. Rebecca prefers Jacob. She's actually on kind of the right side there, but 
actually, parents are not to favor one over the other. There's a great distinction distinction between the two, we see. And Esau's a ruddy kind of man. He's tough. He's physical. And one thing he could do for his father is deliver a steak. I mean, he could bring home the meat. Bring it to his dad. Isaac was uh, pretty well, he was uh, kind of a guy. When things to, came to life, he liked things comfortable. And, uh, of course, we do too, don't we? But he, he liked him because he had bring in the good meat. Uh, he had a taste for game. So he favors Esau. Rebecca loves Jacob. Rebecca has a scheme. She wants to help Jacob. There's already been the selling of the birthright. The birthright is actually in the hand of who? Esau. Because he is born first. He gets the double blessing. That's the way it always runs. But when it came to a time of hunger and he felt weak, the birthright didn't mean anything to him and he sold it for a pot of porridge from Jacob. And now the birthright has been sold. You know, Isaac knows that. Rebecca knows that. So it's been sold, but that blessing is still yet to come. What does Rebecca do? She says, okay, um, Esau is out hunting the game because his father wants to be wants to bless him. As long as he brings the game and he eats it first. <laughs> so Rebecca says, Okay, Jacob, we've got a plan. See, she's quite a deceiver too. Wonder where he got that deception at. <laughs> um, so what 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 do you remember the story? Um, of course he's to go in there and bring in the uh, the goat goat meat that is prepared. She prepares it really good, just like Esau would have. And uh, of course, he's got to be a little rougher. Uh, Jacob does. So there are uh, the garments that are put on him, and then you get uh, the, the the hair put on his hands and on the, the neck. And so his father is so blind, you know, he can't see and uh, who he is. His voice sounds like. Esau, but he feels like Esau. And so what does Isaac do with this man that's come up there that has beaten Esau to the punch? Who gets the blessing? Jacob gets the blessing. Isaac, this is this is fascinating. Isaac obviously here mistakenly blesses, as far as he's concerned, the wrong one. Did you know that Isaac thought he was dying? He's at his last days. Now I say he thought he was dying. Do you see it in Hebrews 11 that he was dying? The rest of the other two, it says dying. While they were at that moment, you know, dying. Fascinating. Isaac definitely is still alive. Jacob had served Laban, you remember, his father-in-law for 20 years. And did you know... That was after the fact. You know why Jacob had to leave, right? Because now there was like war between him and his brother. It was over this issue. Twenty years he's there. Got it? Isaac actually dies a lot, many, many years after this incident. That's what's fascinating. He lived 43 more years in fact, he wasn't dying at that time. He thought he was. So he was giving the blessing before he died. And matter of fact, in fact, Rachel, who happens to be the wife of who? Jacob. That's his favorite wife. That's the one he really loved. That's the one he was after. He had to work more years, right? She died before Isaac died. That is his daughter-in-law. 43 years after this time. Now that's amazing. Isaac kind of missed the timing of his death, didn't he? (laughs) Had you guys ever thought of that? But by faith, he's thinking he's dying, so he gives that blessing. God had a different purpose and a plan going on, didn't He? 
fascinating. God works out the perfect plan all the time. Um, let's look at that blessing just for a moment. Chapter 27, verse 18. Chapter 27 of Genesis, I'm sorry. We're going to start at verse 18. Then he came to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. So Jacob's saying, I'm Esau. Your firstborn. You know the one you're going to bless. Okay, I have done as you told me. Get up, please sit and eat out of my eat my of my game, that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? <laughs> now it still took time, you know, to put this this these goat, goats together, but to actually go out and hunt, kill the game and then do that. He says, Because look at this, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. <laughs> Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come close that I may feel you. I don't, I don't know if I believe you. Let me touch you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. You don't sound like him. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands, that's the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau hands, so he blessed him. And he said, Are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. Why? So he said, Bring it to me and I'll eat of my son's game that I may bless you. I'll eat it first. That's the big test. You know, is this really this going to be good? If it's not good enough, you think he's going to bless him? <laughs> and he brought it to him. He ate. He also brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close, kissed him, and when he smelled the smell of his garments, he had the garments of Esau on. Now he's convinced it must be. I must, my hearing must be going too. He blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven, the rain, and the fatness of the earth, and an abundance of grain and new wine. This is quite a blessing, isn't it? May peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. Some of the blessings that had been given to Isaac from God passes that on to his son. He got blessed. This is Jacob getting the blessing. He has the birthright. He has the blessing. Now you know what Isaac could do? After he finds out he gets tricked, he could say, okay, bets are all off. We're going back here. Because of the trick, and because of the deception here and the lies, this is going to who I intended anyway, Esau. Does that happen? You would think, I always wonder, why didn't he just switch it? Because it says that wasn't fair. That's out of bounds. Penalty. (laughs) We read this, verse 30. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. (laughs) Then he also made savory food and brought it to his father, and he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. Isaac, his father, said to him, Who who, who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently. I think that tells us a lot. He trembled violently. He knows who's supposed to get that blessing. Who's supposed to get it? Jacob. I mean, by human standards, it would be Esau. But... He knows that the blessing is to go to Jacob. Who was he that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate of all of it before you came and blessed him? He now knows. And he says, yes, and he shall be blessed. He could have turned that right back around. He's been trying to go to the edge too much, almost went over the edge. And he kind of did, but he 
you know, it's like he's trying to will this to go to Esau, but he knows, and he trembled violently because he knows the blessing has already gone to Jacob, which is where God had it intended anyway. By faith, by faith, are you catching this? By faith, Isaac blesses Jacob. But he also blesses Esau. What is that blessing? Do we have it? Yeah, let's, you want to read it? I do too. Let's go. Okay. And I'm going to skip a few verses here. And Esau is saying, bless me, bless me. You know, he came here deceitfully. Bless me, you know. Verse 38, Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? He's begging, bless me, even also my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Grown man here. He's crying. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Are you ready for this blessing? Look at this. Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling. Away from here, there's no blessing out there. It's the land of the Arabs. It will be. Esau's family. Families that's still that way today. It's arid. It's desert. And so he says this, and away from the dew of heavens. What did he say to Jacob? The dew of heavens will come on you. Here, you're away from the rain. By your sword you shall live. Is this telling you something about this kind of people? And your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you'll break his yoke from your neck. Yeah, you will finally get away from him. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I'll kill my brother Jacob. You know what? Jacob has to go. He has to go. Now we have hatred. Well, this has lasted a long time, this kind of feud, hasn't it? still exists today. Isn't that incredible? It will until Christ finishes it off. Amazing. Jacob sent away. Jacob has a dream and all of that kind of thing happens. God is working out a perfect plan. still comes true. But at the same time, you don't have to jump ahead of God. God would have made it work. God still makes it work. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Was there sin here? Yes, there was. There was deceit. There was lying. On the part of Jacob, his mother, right? Of course, the, the Isaac, we see his whole sin in, in this. Um, anyway, um, they didn't have to rush ahead of God. The birthright really had already been exchanged, but but the blessing is is to be done there. Uh, by the way, Esau ignored the kind of character that Esau really was. Uh, he ignored, if you read out a little bit uh, in other places, you'll see that he had marriages to pagan, idolatrous women who served other gods, not the one true God. And they caused all sorts of havoc. Uh, with Isaac later on. But um, just because of the way that Isaac was, he got his appetite satisfied, got the meat, did the blessing, and I just blessed the mic. I don't know if we have that running anyway, so I'm, I'll leave it there. Uh, that thing has taken some abuse from me. <laughs> So we got the story of how that uh, deception happened, right? Did you know that Isaac would never have succeeded in blessing Esau in the way that he blessed Jacob? That not would not have happened because God said it's going to happen this way. But he goes ahead. He uses the sin that happened. Did he make them sin? No. And by the way, this is what is the difficult thing to understand. We as believers, 
cannot choose God before we become believers. We cannot choose God on our own because we will continue to do what we do, and that's sin. Because we do not like God, we hate God and all the things of God until He comes in and gives us life. He grants us faith. He grants us repentance. And we act upon that. Do we make choices after we become Christians? Yes. But now we no longer have to serve sin because our nature is not that. We have a new nature. Our new nature wants to serve God, to obey God, to honor God, to glorify God, doesn't it? Our new nature wants to do that. Our new nature dominates. Unfortunately, the flesh wants to come back and wreak havoc. And we have the battle, the war that is going on in our lives right today. That explains what's going on in our lives when we do some things that we hate. We hate to do those things and we repent, confess, and then we move on. Thank the Lord for His grace. But we don't want to take, a, we don't want to abuse that grace though, do we? May it never be. But our, our Romans 8 really explains a lot. And talking about God's plan and His purpose, you have to think of Genesis 50-20 where Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. He took something that was evil and still made it fit into His plan. Only God can do that. Isn't that incredible? So, um, Isaac surrenders to God's will and he was terrified when he realized God foiled his whole scheme, the, the scheme that had been going on. He wanted to bless Esau. He wanted so much to do that. Isaac affirms Jacob is going to receive the blessing. The blessings would be fulfilled. He wanted to alter that channel. He tried to do as much as he could possibly do. There was no indication that he didn't agree with the purpose of God. It's just that this you know, this promise came from Abraham, but yeah, but look at look at Esau. You know, I mean, look at what he does for me and, and such. So he wants to alter the channel. He winds up blessing the wrong person. Blesses this whole thing. He didn't want to do that. God, in effect, had providentially worked in on this and in this blessing. And it's like it was put into Him that He blessed Him. And that's the way it worked out. However it was, there's a providence there that's even more miraculous than miracles. Do you see what I mean? How God works in providence to make it still come out the way that is right. The godly way. By the way, you go back to chapter 26, verse 24. The Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. It's that, it's that blessing. It's that promise. It's the Abrahamic covenant. It's the promise that's going to continue on throughout this line. Did you know that as the Lord appeared to him, it's God making this all happen. He was back in the residence in the area where God had first appeared to him. He appears again. And he expresses again. He just hammers it down. Isaac, guess what? This is what's going to happen. So, all the horrors of that happened here, uh, such as the lies and the deception, God works. He continues. Do you remember what the fallout though was? When you have sin, you still have... You know, there's responsibility. And first of all, Jacob never saw his mother again because he had to leave. She died before he ever he was able to come back. He was going to be killed. How did he demonstrate his faith? The writer of Hebrews says he demonstrated his faith concerning things to come. In our Hebrews 11, he blessed Jacob. He blessed Esau about the things to come. 
things to come. He hadn't received that promise like Abraham didn't receive the promise, like all the other ones are not going to receive that promise, although they ultimately will, right? Because of Christ is based on Him. That's the new covenant. And that Abrahamic covenant is part of that covenant. He believed God for what he didn't receive. Do you get it? For what was going to come. Because he's dying. As far as he's concerned, remember, he was dying when he gave the blessing. So as far as he's concerned, this is at his death and he's saying, oh hey, it hadn't happened to me. But I'll tell you what, it's going to go and it's going to work through Jacob now. That's faith. Things to come. He believed God for what he didn't receive. He blessed Jacob, the true blessing. Things are yet to come. He perceived the providential hand that was working there. He didn't reverse the blessing. He could have. He didn't. By faith. You see the difference in the two blessings, but He blessed them both. Of things to come. This is an evidence of faith, isn't it? And that's a backward ways of looking at faith. Because you usually think, remember whenever I started this message out, the, the, the intro was dealing with how God works in, in faith. You know, we, we like to think of moving mountains. We like to think of dividing the Red Sea. You know, those great things that happen miraculously. And here it is, by faith He blessed His sons in a way that He didn't know what He was really doing. He accepted God's providential purpose though, even though He wasn't dying. But He eventually he died in, in faith, didn't He? He knew that the promise would be fulfilled. He took it all the way to His death. Folks, we need to finish well, don't we? We need to finish well because all is well. Even when it doesn't seem like we really count much anymore. Finish well. Isaac looked to that heavenly city. Now, we have verse 21 and 22 to do. And I did only one page for those two. Because I think with all that said, it's going to make sense now with the other two who actually die while they're doing the blessing. Or right almost immediately. We, we go back to our Hebrews 11. But you see the idea where it says, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. And you can read that. Well, what's the big deal about blessing them? How, how, you know, what's the deal about faith? Now, do you get it? By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. As he was dying, Jacob blessed Joseph's sons. Joseph is a son of Jacob, but Joseph has two sons. And it's like Joseph is elevated to the very firstborn. We look in Genesis 48, 1-4. He's putting that, but then his sons are going to come into play because whenever they get into the promised land, they are going to have a majority of land. Genesis 48, by the way, Isaac, and we're dealing now with Jacob, and now we're dealing with Joseph, and Jacob is very confident of the things to come also. Genesis 48, 1. Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you. Israel, or Jacob, he's now known as Israel, collected his strength and sat up in the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. This is Jacob. He was blessed. Fruitful, multiply, descendants. Later on we see in verse 8, when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to him, given me, see, he's blind too. Jacob is now. They are my sons whom God has given me here. 
Joseph says. So he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. These are grandsons. But you know what? He's adopting them and making them his sons. Now the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him and he kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face and behold, God has let me see your children as well. I was up in the land where there was uh, famine. And you wound up in Egypt and we had to come down there because of the absolute drought and famine. I didn't expect to ever see you again. I thought I lost you. I thought you were dead. He says, I will not only got to see you, but I get to see my grandchildren. Then Joseph took them from his knees, bowed with his face to the ground. Joseph took them both, Ephraim, with his right hand towards Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them close to him. Guess what? One of them is older than the other, and you think, okay, who's going to get blessed? Well, the the older one's supposed to get blessed. The double blessing. Uh, Again, that's not the same as you would think. But Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the hand of Ephraim. Right hand. And he actually blesses the younger one. Ephraim, who was the younger. And his left hand on Manasseh's head means he would be the younger. Crossing his hands. Although Manasseh was the firstborn. Who's the one that's getting blessed? Well, they both are, but who's getting the double blessing. He blessed Joseph. So he blesses Joseph. It's his son. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. The God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. Jacob is saying this. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. And may my name live on them. And the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Come down another blessing. Verse 20 says, Bless them that day, saying, But you, Israel, will pronounce blessings, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land your fathers. Bring you back. You're going to go there. You're going to be a slaves. And then you'll go back. I give you one portion more than your brothers which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. So Joseph, then it's because of his sons. They're the ones who are going, you know, those that tribe is going to go in there. That land is going to be done. So uh, Ephraim and Manasseh play a big part. Something special here that he does. The younger gets the blessing. The firstborn son, of course, is Joseph. But uh, he is that. But yet now his son's actually going to do this... uh, the birthright really belongs to Joseph. He's the son of the wife that Jacob loved. You remember? Joseph and Benjamin, who are highly favored. You have the other sons, but it's Joseph and Benjamin. And uh, so, anyway, the significance of this is that even when uh, Jacob is old, he's blind, he blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph guides the hand because he knows wait a minute, I know who the older one is. And Jacob says, no, that's that's not it. I know what I'm doing. And Joseph gets that idea. You know what's happening here? It's called obedience. Because Jacob knows full well that this blessing is to go to that younger one of the two. Jacob is listed in this hall of fame of faith because he dreamed a dream. No. Wasn't it because of that? Is it, is it because he wrestled with God by night? No, it's not said about that. It's because in the very hour of his death, he's doing something that's not normal. He does what is contrary to the accepted way. He blesses the younger because God had told him to do it. He was faithful even to the point of death. It says he was either leaning on his bed at that time or on his staff. And in the Hebrew, it can be one or the other. It depends on the translations you read. At any rate, it doesn't matter. We get the idea. He's dying. It's like he stood up and he's bracing himself. He's ready to go. He makes the blessing. And he blesses it the way that God wanted it. God's promise was fulfilled. 
Jacob is worshiping God here as he's leaning on his staff. You can see that in Genesis 47. 29 through 31, he worshiped God as he was dying. He was believing, wasn't he? Jacob made Joseph swear about his burial. When I die, I want you to make sure that I'm taken back to the land. Do you know what? If we had time, we'd read that. What's the big deal about the burial? Genesis 50, chapter 7 through 13. Well, that just solidifies what God was doing. That's the land where they're supposed to be. Not in Egypt. They're going to be there for 430 years, actually. There's going to be slavery and all that. God's already told that. He told that to Abraham. That's, that's part of the covenant. Joseph knows that. Jacob knows that. So, there's the big deal about the burial. Okay, the very next one. And the last one. Finish up with this. Okay, it's Joseph. Now it's time for him to die, right? We've covered a lot of years here as we come to this point in verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel. The exodus, what? Moses' exodus? Yeah. Out of the promised land. Out of where the children of Israel were living I mean, out of that, uh, the out of Egypt into that promised land, the exodus of the sons of Israel, or Jacob, he gave orders concerning his bones. That he was he was dying. He said, "Okay, I want my bones to be taken there too." So by faith, jo- uh, Joseph hopes in God's promise. You think about that time he's in, dungeon, in a dungeon in Egypt. He had been wrongfully accused of what uh, they they accused him of of adultery with a woman, fornication there, which he didn't do. He, he clung to righteousness. A matter of great faith there involved, right? That's not mentioned here. But he believed God. It was it was counted to him as righteousness. He, he believed him. But God takes a highlight out of here. Out of he doesn't use any of that stuff that be high and lifted up. He says. When he was dying. You can show your faith when you die. Wow. That's just as big as some of the great things you could be done in, in, in your lifetime. So God highlights what He wants to highlight. Joseph mentions the Exodus. Genesis 15 is a covenant made with um, Abraham. So he gathers his brothers who are still living and he tells them that one day God's going to take them out of Egypt. They're going to go back to their homeland. And in that land, God has a blessing there. And he says, and by the way, whenever Jacob died, they did take him back. And Joseph was a part of that and getting the, you know, all the family to, to take him back. And they, Joseph came back to Egypt, I mean, you know, but they buried him. Well, Joseph is saying this, I, whenever I die, when you guys, down, down the years, all those years have come about, it was 400 years, I want you to pack up my bones and take them there too and put them in the same place. That's an act of faith, isn't it? You say, well, he didn't have anything to do with it. That's them that are going to do that. But he tells them. Why does he tell them? Because that's the way that God had designed it. There's the burial plans. So by even having burial plans, there you go, <laughs> it's having faith in God. Because He had made a plan. That's the way it was to be. I believe that the tomb of Joseph was a reminder to them to keep believing. They'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you know in those 40 years, every day they must have heard that bag of bones rattling through the desert as they traveled on to the next place. His bones are in this box or whatever, and it's a reminder. They know exactly what they're doing. There's Joseph Bones. His father had already been buried in the promised land. God has given you a covenant. He's given you a promise. He's been faithful. He will remain faithful all the way until the day you die. Do you get it? Up until the day that we die. We live by faith. 
we die by faith. You can live with that promise and you can die with it because you know what's going to happen. What can I take home with this? I'm going to give you three. And these are going to be rapid fire. Ready? First, I want us to realize that it's not great faith because we do great miracles. It's simply trusting in a great God in His promise of the Messiah and that He's going to take us all the way into the kingdom of Christ. Number two, the greatest of all tests is not to trust God sometimes in time of poverty. That would sound, Well, that's great faith to do that or times of things that go against you. But sometimes in times of prosperity. Remember Isaac? He's really being blessed. He trusted God even when he was blessed. Sometimes we don't need God when we're blessed. That's why he has to turn things around sometimes and cause it to be the other way. How about Joseph? Boy, he was extremely blessed. He trusted God. You know, he he became the you know like the Pharaoh's right hand man. He was prime minister of Egypt, folks. I think he was quite wealthy, wouldn't you say? But he trusted God in that. Third. Faith must be maintained to the end. Death is the greatest test of faith. We're all going to die. The great testimony of faith was when they were dying because they still knew that God was going to do His thing. I didn't get to see the answer, but I know that God has this in mind because He said it. We have faith in our dying. Most of the time, He's not going to perform a miracle in our lives. But we know one thing He's going to do is that He will take us out of these bodies. Bodies will die. We may not divide any seas. We may not open a blind eye. But we will face the greatest enemy of the human race. That's called death. We must all face our own death. These gentlemen were ready because they believed in the promise. What an enemy. It's only by faith in Christ that we can conquer the enemy. That's called the equalizer. And we await the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises at Christ's return. That's when we will see Him as He is and we will be like Him and it will be to its fulfillment. And that's what we look to. Let's finish well. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. Praise You. What a glorious passage You've given us. And something that doesn't seem so amazing. It seems kind of ordinary. And that's usually the way we live our lives. It's an ordinary, routine life. But You are always working in these lives every day providentially, sometimes miraculously, usually naturally. And we just look to You, Lord, because we live by faith. And because of Christ, we die by faith. Because we will be resurrected because of the faith that You've granted to us. In Jesus' name, Amen.